Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field to talk Packers-Vikings West. The two NFC North rivals will square off for the first time in 2021. It is a Sunday noon Central Time kickoff at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. And when you look at this Minnesota Vikings season thus far, a 4-5 and five football team, but those are honestly the last numbers that I look at because – a lot of things we've heard about this team, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on how their season has gone. One is that they have had at least a seven-point lead at some point in every ball game they have played this season. They've only had one of their nine games decided by more than seven points. They have three walk-off losses, two <laughs> walk-off victories, and of those five games decided on the last play, three of them have been in overtime. So... Make of that what you will. What I take from it is that whatever that one-loss record is for the Minnesota Vikings, this team strikes me as one that literally is capable of beating anybody in the NFL at any given time, yeah. and that's what the Packers are going up against on Sunday. I just love the phrase walk-off loss. <laughs> I mean, that is a true – you talk about walk-offs, that is a walk-off when you drop it at, at this time expires. But, no, I, I said it earlier this week, Mike. You had to edit it the Minnesota Vikings scare the living daylights out of me because if you take away the records and you say, okay, the leading seven times in, in nine game or leading by seven in nine different games, you know, the fact that they've had this inconsistency, the fact they've had these games right down to the wire. If you just showed me their offensive statistics, if you just showed me what they've done defensively, I'd be like, yeah, this is a seven and two, six and three type ball club. Absolutely. Kirk Cousins is having a remarkable season. 68% completion percentage, and we know, Mike, we've seen enough of Kirk Cousins over the last 10 years. When his touchdowns are at 18 and his interceptions are at 2, that's <laughs> when you know he's playing Captain Kirk-type football. And he has remarkable offensive weapons to work off of right now. I mean, the, the triad there of Delvin Cook and Adam Thielen and obviously Justin Jefferson, who's going to be the best of that bunch from that really talented 2020 receivers class, that has given him an incredible opportunity in terms of being able to direct this Vikings offense but at the same time they are four and five they are in a position again where their backs are kind of against the wall in week 11 yep. and while it very easily is going to be a conference in which you're going to see an eight and nine team make the playoffs the Minnesota Vikings are still trying to state their case as far as being one of the conference's best teams so the Green Bay Packers cannot take this opponent lightly yeah absolutely and and this is what I've said in inbox as well this game as far as the as far as the NFC North and particularly the Minnesota Vikings are concerned, this game determines whether Minnesota has a realistic path to to a division championship to catching the Packers in the North, or will the Vikings just be relegated the rest of the season to fighting for a wild card spot? That's really what it comes down to. The Packers are three and a half games up. If the Packers win this game, they would go four and a half up on Minnesota with only six to play. The math isn't too hard to figure out there. But if the Vikings win, they suddenly get within two and a half of the Packers. And from Minnesota's perspective, they start looking at it like, okay, well, then if we win when the Packers are on their bye, we pick up another half. That puts us at two. If we pick up one game somewhere else, that gets us to one. And then we're coming to Lambeau Field on January 2nd. They could steal the division champ. Like, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. the path. The path is there for Minnesota in a lot of ways, but they have to win this game. 
in order to try to create that path. Yeah, and the, the Packers have to play whack-a-mole. I mean, you, they're <laughs> whack-a-viking. Yeah, I, I, they come up here, you have to be able to knock them back down. Now, this is not going to be easy. They're not going to be going into those friendly confines that they were last year when it was a completely empty, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium. And, the, the you know, the, the people over at the Vikings, they couldn't actually pipe in the noise because there were no fans to actually make it look like they were the ones generating it. Be that as it may, I right. digress. No, I, I kid, I kid. But, no, but I mean, that crowd is going to be energized. They are oh, yeah. going to want to be able to push their football team, and it is the biggest rival that they've had in the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years now. So I expect an enthusiastic game, an energetic game, and from the Packers' perspective, offensively, you know, this is going to be a tough one. They have to be able to get this thing going in that environment despite probably not having Aaron Jones and you know, potentially Aaron Rodgers playing in this game without practice this week. Yeah, and when you look at – when you look at all the very impressive things Matt LaFleur has done in two and a half seasons, obviously the Packers getting a win last week and once again avoiding a two-game losing streak uh, for the duration of Matt LaFleur's tenure as head coach probably ranks as the number one most impressive thing. But the next one on the list for me is the fact that he's only lost one division game thus far as head coach of the Packers. And that one loss was just a shade over a year ago, early November last season when Minnesota came into Lambeau Field. Dalvin Cook went crazy. 226 yards combined rushing and receiving, four touchdowns, and the Vikings got a victory there. So you know the Packers' defense. They, they know everything there is to know about Dalvin Cook and how important he is. But then, when, as you pointed out, Kirk Cousins through nine games has only two interceptions on the season. He's playing maybe some of the best football of his career, if, if not overall, even, maybe even better than, uh, than in 2015 in Washington when he led Washington to a playoff berth there. So, um, and as you said, on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers, still trying to figure some things out. The Packers are going to have to deal with uh, presumably the absence of Aaron Jones here, at least in the short term. And Aaron Rodgers, as of Wednesday, not practicing yep. because of uh, because of the toe injury, and the Packers took, as we talked about on our last show, took really until the fourth quarter before the offense really started to find its rhythm and, and be able to finish the drives uh, that that it got going. This uh, this Packers offense went into U.S. Bank Stadium last year and really lit the place up. And uh, but as you said. The crowd is going to be there. This is going to be a much bigger challenge in that regard for Green Bay's offense with all of that noise. Um, this is uh, th- this is this is an exciting one. This is an exciting one to look forward to here because of the the intensity and what's on the line. And also seeing, you know, the the biggest thing, and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit in your story this week on Packers.com is. The contrast between Aaron Rodgers taking on a Mike Zimmer defense. Yeah. Now, we have to see exactly where things are at with Anthony Barr. I was doing some quick research here to see if he actually was practicing. He was limited on Wednesday after he missed last week's game with that persistent knee injury he's basically dealt with since the beginning of the season. Yeah. You know, Daniil Hunter already went down. They're, like, there are some, some hits that they've taken, but, you know, if Harrison Smith is back and he's feeling okay coming off the COVID list, uh, Eric Kendricks is by far one of the most underrated productive inside backers in this league. Really, really good player. There are so many weapons still at at Zimmer's disposal that as much as we talk about this offense and the improvements that they've made and the playmakers that they have available to them, it really does come down to this defense and how Aaron Rodgers counteracts that. Now, Rodgers has had a fair amount of success during Zimmer's time in Minnesota, but certainly these guys have a long history going up against each other. So, 
seeing my, my, kind of one of my biggest things to look at, I don't know if I'd exactly call it a key to victory, but it's just the double A gap stuff that Zimmer always likes to run. It, you know, we'll have to see what happens with David Bakhtiari. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He didn't practice last Friday. So if Elton Jenkins has to go at left tackle again, then it's John Runyon, it's Lucas Patrick, and it's Royce Newman are going to kind of be the guys responsible for defending against that double-A gap looks, understanding their responsibilities, their discipline, and not allowing Minnesota to play those games. That's going to be a pretty big cat-and-mouse type game that, especially if Elton Jenkins isn't involved there, they have to be cognizant of where those linebackers are going to be. Yeah, Rodgers' numbers over the course of his career against Mike Zimmer defenses, it's it's pretty interesting because it started out, Rodgers was 0-2 against Zimmer defenses. When Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati, the Bengals beat the Packers in both 2009 and 2013. Rodgers had passer ratings uh, sub-85 in both of those losses. But then Mike Zimmer gets the head coaching job in Minnesota in 2014. And since then, Aaron Rodgers has 24 touchdown passes and just three interceptions against Zimmer's defenses. Now, Minnesota ha still has four wins and a tie in that time frame. But Roger, Rodgers has performed pretty well overall for as challenging as Zimmer's defenses are. And the guys were talking... Devontae Adams talked about it. Rodgers talked about it. LaFleur talked about it. The um, Harrison Smith and what he means to that Minnesota defense just in terms of trying to decipher, okay, where is, where is he and what is he doing? And it's easier said than done because, uh, because there, there are times that it's just really hard to figure out exactly what Smith is up to out there on the field. Well, and this isn't the Xavier Rhodes type defense anymore. You know, Trey Waynes is gone, and they've had a lot of turnover at the cornerback spots, yeah. and, and unfortunately for them, also some missed draft picks as well. The constant through all of that, including the station next to Harrison Smith, has been, you know, the, the multiple-time Pro Bowl veteran there. Uh, Xavier Woods is incredibly talented safety. I've been high on him since he came out in college. I thought that was a really savvy pickup for them. He's kind of solidified that spot next to uh, next to Smith, but th those corners and how they're, or excuse me, those safeties and how they're able to utilize them, I think have really helped kind of keep things a little bit more simple for what they've done at the cornerback position. Bashad Breeland, former Packer, uh, was signed this offseason, but he's been dealing with some injury stuff. So Smith, if he's back, I mean, that is such a big thing for this defense in, in how they're able to kind of operate. Yeah, it's interesting. I, so I almost like to draw the analogy with regard to a baseball team where defensively you always look, okay, how does a team look up the middle? Shortstop, second base, center field. You look at Minnesota up the middle, and it's Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and Harrison Smith, and those are the guys who yep. have been there for, uh, for a really long time. Some uh, sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, so down to the brass tacks here, Wes. Keys to victory for the Packers on Sunday in Minneapolis. Where does it start for you? Last week, Mike, the Packers were able to turn over the football against a team that doesn't turn over the football. I think that is going to be a very similar game plan for them going up against Minnesota. So easily it would be easy to talk about the explosive plays, minimizing the big gains, especially in the run game 
uh, with, with the way that they can gas you there. But I, I do believe if you look back and the, the matchups they've had against Kirk Cousins, when they're able to get some turnovers, when they're able to get some interceptions, that has been kind of what has set the table for them. Offensively, you hope that Green Bay is going to be able to figure this thing out. You hope that with another week in the books, even if they aren't able to be on the practice field together, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and that backfield are going to be able to push the ball downfield. But defensively, it's been what has set the tone for Green Bay the last couple of weeks. Obviously did that against Seattle in yeah. you know, one of their best performances of the past decade. I feel like if you're able to generate pressure, and obviously, you know, this is a different type of quarterback. You're not, you're no longer facing Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. Right, right. You're, you're facing Kirk Cousins, who's so a little bit more of a stationary object, but still, he's very savvy. He can get the ball out, and he likes the high percentage opportunities. Get pressure on him, get a takeaway or two. I think Green Bay's able to escape there with a victory. Yeah, and I think offensively, even though you don't have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor being the one-two, I think I think the Packers still need to, especially with the noise and everything in that building, the Packers need to stay committed to running the offense through the running backs. And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to run the ball 30 times or whatever, but it's it's using Dillon and Taylor in the passing game and keeping that defense honest with the run and just and and staying as balanced as possible. We you know what it's like. I mean, all the games that I covered that I covered Packers Vikings in the Metrodome and now in in US Bank Stadium. The last place you want to be against the Minnesota Vikings in their place is, you know, third and six or worse, right? right? Because that's when that's when the noise gets crazy. They're going to come after you. Your playbook is limited because they know you're not handing the ball off. That that's where the the running backs are the ones who need to set the tone here for Green Bay to keep that Minnesota defense honest. And I'm excited to see it too because a lot of times, you know, and God bless him, it's been fun to watch Aaron Jones a lot over the years. He's oh, made yeah. a lot of huge plays for this offense. But this isn't going to be the Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon type offense. This is going to be Thunder and Thunder. I mean, you have AJ Dillon who really brings it at six foot two forty seven. But Patrick Taylor is a big guy himself, six two two twenty. I mean, he packs a punch. Oh yeah. And I thought. Once you saw him get right with the ankle and he was able to get through a couple soft tissue injuries, the guy really showed a lot during camp. I, Kylan, the, it was just sort of a great situation for Green Bay because I thought Kylan Hill came in and proved that this guy had a lot more than just being a seventh-round pick. But through the first two weeks of camp, I thought Patrick Taylor might actually have a real chance at being that number three back. A couple fumbles happened during the preseason, but overall, I, I think if you see Patrick Taylor for five, ten carries in this game, you're going to be kind of impressed by what you see because there's a lot there. And if it hadn't been for that injury at, at Memphis that basically sidetracked two years for him, I think this is a guy that definitely had the pedigree to get drafted. Yeah, absolutely. You look at, to me, I look at Patrick Taylor and we've seen, you know, they're, they're all running backs of all shapes and sizes in the NFL, right? And the Packers have Aaron Jones, who's a certain style and type, and you have A.J. Dillon, who's another style and type. If you were just to, you know, punch into a computer what an NFL running yeah. back is supposed to look like, Patrick Taylor is what physically that guy looks like, and I, I'm excited to see six, six foot two, and then you put a pair of cleats on him. I mean, yeah. he's an imposing yeah. dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what what he might be able to do with this opportunity. As much as the Packers obviously will yeah. want Aaron Jones back in this offense as soon as possible, elsewhere around the league, Wes. I'll just do a quick rundown here, and then I'm going to get to the game I know that you want to talk about. <laughs> um, the Chicago Bears, coming off of uh, their bye week, I believe, they are hosting the Baltimore Ravens, so an interesting cross-conference matchup there. 
Um, Arizona is at Seattle for those who want to pay attention to uh, that other team that's at eight and two atop the NFC with Green Bay. Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't play until Monday night. They'll be hosting the New York Giants. Really interesting one with Dallas playing at Kansas City, especially with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes offensively kind of waking up last week with yeah. a big 40-point performance against the Raiders. But the game I know you've got your eye on, Wes, and it is the Detroit Lions at the Cleveland Browns if if former Packers backup quarterback Tim Boyle does get the start, if Jared Goff and that oblique injury um, prevents him from playing, Tim Boyle will get his first NFL start for Detroit, and I know you're excited about it. I uh, would never wish injury upon anyone, first right. and foremost. Absolutely. Fortunately for Goff, it's just an oblique. It's not like it was a significant long-term deal. But when I saw the report pop out, I think Kyle Meineke, a lot of the beat writers from Detroit were talking about how Boyle was going to get the first team reps this week. I'll tell you what, Mike, the only thing I'm asking for for Tim Boyle is an opportunity. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because the guy had the most disastrous college career you basically could ever have. And after it, he still wanted to play professional football. Yeah. And in his three years with the Green Bay Packers, he proved that he has what it takes to compete at this level. I love the fact he's been able to rewrite his story. And if he gets that opportunity, I've said this since the beginning. I understand why they did the trade. I understand why they got Jared Goff back as the compensation. But when they signed Tim Boyle and Jamal Williams, I said to you from that day, those are two really smart signings for them. Yep. Because as the Lions embark upon another rebuild, you're getting two consummate professionals who can, can contribute in different ways. I really feel like if Tim Boyle gets the opportunity – you're going to see why Michael Cohen, Andy Hermson, Herman, myself, we all were talking about the laser show yeah. for the last three years. <laughs> it, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the Lions are going to win. Maybe Boyle could get Dan Campbell's first career victory. But it's going to be exciting. He plays exciting football. And if it happens, we'll have to see. Maybe this will be all for naught. But the fact that he's coming back off the thumb injury, I think could be a really unique opportunity for that, him. That, to, to, me, to me, I mean, Tim Boyle's story is remarkable. As you said, he had a dumpster fire, so to speak, of a college career. You look at, you look at what he did in college and you're like, how in the world would this guy ever even get a look in the NFL, right? And now here he is potentially, and again, we don't know, perhaps Jared Goff will be healthy enough to play. But now he potentially has a chance to get Dan Campbell yeah. his first victory as an NFL head coach um, before a quarterback who has played in a Super Bowl yeah. gets that first victory with um, the Lions having uh, only a tie um, thus far, um, aside from all the losses they tied the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, at Heinz Field last week, so I, I just I think it would be I think it would be really really cool. He's if, fearless. Uh, if if Tim Boyle were able to do that, you're you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. And to come from where he's come from to where he is now, you have to be fearless in 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 the sense of you have to be able you have to be able to absolutely ignore everybody who has said everything about you. Like how is this? How why even give this guy a chance? Right. Yeah. And and here he is. I, I it would be. The the only the only negative from our perspective is that the 
Lions and the Browns will be going on at the same time as Packers Vikings, so we won't actually be able to find a way to watch the game if if Boyle is indeed I starting. I might still so. find a way. All right, well, I might find a way to be able to check out some of it. But no, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's at the same time. It's too bad this couldn't have been the bye week. But yeah, you know, be that as it may, again, an interesting matchup, and, and you got to have storylines, especially with the Lions. They're trying to find something right now. Honestly, even if even if they clear Goff. I don't think it would hurt them to still give Tim a look. Yeah, I, I, why, why not? Why not give him a shot? Yeah. Right. I mean, we'll see. But anyway, something uh, we'll definitely be scoreboard watching at a minimum during uh, during Packers Vikings on Sunday. But the bulk of our attention will be on U.S. Bank Stadium and a big game in the NFC North. With that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow. All of our coverage of the team and everything going on at Sunday's game will have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.